0: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 24, and we are recording on Wednesday, April 25th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincy Abraham, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, (laughs) Rincy. I feel
1: like we should just tell everyone we just had technical difficulties, and this is our second time recording this episode. So if we seem like slightly more punchy or, you know tired or anything along those lines is because we're literally recording a second exact episode back to back so i feel like both of us have gotten like slightly like punchy i don't know a better word than punchy right now because i'm giggly yeah giggly all of those things we are all of those things right now
0: yeah there's the phrase uh was it laugh to keep from crying (laughs) (laughs) because i feel like i'm like i'm at that point because it was for everyone listening it was my computer that screwed up And yeah, I'm like, well, I can either just giggle about this or I can burst into tears and just start raging and throwing stuff at the wall. And I feel like giggling is a little bit more productive use of my time.
1: Yeah, that is true. I mean, for the record, my computer has definitely screwed up on previous episodes. So it's not like Katie deserves some sort or Katie's (laughs) computer deserves some sort of fall because there was an episode... Uh, I don't even know which episode it was anymore. Where like mine just stopped recording in the middle of an episode. So you know these things happen.
0: <laughs> yes, and I'm going back now just to double check. Yes, we are still recording. I know, honestly,
1: like ever since that happened to me in whatever episode that was, I've become super paranoid of making sure I can see the timeline and metronome and everything moving, um,
0: because I'm so scared of that happening again. <laughs> and now I've learned my lesson. So we're just gonna we're just gonna be. Uh, be uh uh very carefully checking all of this from this point forward so um all right well this is so yeah i I, when i was doing the intro i really wanted to say this is episode up this is episode (laughs) 24.2 i I feel like i probably should have oh well we're not re-recording anything else this is no this is what we're getting darn it um so Why don't you uh, uh, tell us about the mystery and thriller giveaway? All right. So this is a
1: really great giveaway that Book Riot is doing that all of you should be entering. Um, They are giving away 15 of the best new mysteries of the year so far, and they are all from diverse authors. So it is authors of color as well as LGBTQ authors. The giveaway is open until May 9th you can head to bookriot.com slash mystery giveaway to enter. Um, like I said, there are 15 great books being given away. Some of our favorites on here as well as um, The Widows of Malabar Mul- Hill is on here. The Perfect Nanny by Leila Samani. Um, Pretty Boy Must Die by Kimberly Reed. A Dangerous Crossing by Asma Ziyanak Khan. Lots of really great stuff. There's a Walter Mosley book on here. Um, there are some books in translation on here. So if you are a fan- of mysteries and thrillers which I am assuming everyone who is listening to this podcast is you will definitely want to enter uh like I said head to bookriot.com slash mystery giveaway at the bottom at the bottom of the page there's a form that you have to fill out and you have to sign up for our uh, unusual suspects email newsletter which is a fantastic mystery thriller newsletter that comes out twice a week Um, you should be subscribed to it anyways and if you are already subscribed you can just fill out the form and check the box again you won't be signed up twice um, and you'll be entered for the giveaway so yes please enter because these are fantastic books and I wish that I could enter this contest because I want all of them so yes go sign up it goes until May 9th
0: I feel, Yeah, I feel like every time we talk about a Book Riot giveaway on here, yeah, our, our tagline should just be, enter for us. Do it for us because you care about us and we cannot <laughs> enter as Book Riot employees.
1: It sounds like we're doing one of those like sort of charity drives where it's like, <laughs> we're trying to convince people to sign up for things because we're like, if you care at all about
0: us, please go enter this giveaway. Oh, God. And now it's like, we'll get Sarah McLaughlin to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's exactly who I had in my head.
0: Oh my goodness. No, we're we're, we're not really as pitiful as, as we sound. But you really you really should enter. It's a, it's a really solid list. Um so to move on to uh news items, um we yeah, we had a couple of news items going into today that we wanted to mention. And then um as I'm sure all of you know by now if you have been, you know, reading the news or use social media, which is probably most of you if not all of you um, you will have probably seen that in California they uh, police think that they have caught the Golden State killer and that uh, that name has become more of a household name recently due to Michelle McNamara's book I'll be gone in the dark which we have uh, muppet armed about on this on this podcast multiple times even though neither of us have read the book <laughs> but um, it just has been getting so much amazing press and reviews and- and everyone who reads it, from fellow book rioters all the way to Stephen King, they just said this book is so amazing. And it's, you know, Michelle McNamara's obsessive hunt for the truth behind the Golden State Killer, who raped and murdered multiple women over the course of a decade in the, like, the 70s through the 80s, and then just kind of like disappeared off the grid. No one knew what happened to him, where he went, who he was. And so the book, um, "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," was really born from Michelle McNamara's quest for justice. And unfortunately, she died before the book was published, so she was never um, able to see what you know, see the book's success. Um, but now they, like I said, the police think that they have caught the the man. Um, who became known as the Golden State Killer. He is a 72-year-old former cop named Joseph James D'Angelo. And uh, they they matched his DNA, um, his recent DNA with DNA that they had found at previous crime scenes. So it sounds like it's pretty, like it's... I mean, for something like this, you've you've really got to be sure that this is the this is the person you're looking for to bring them into custody on a decades old serial killer case. Um, so this story is still unfolding. It will probably still be unfolding by the time you guys listen to this. Um, it will probably be unfolding over the next couple of weeks. So um, I'm sure that we are going to have. Um, that we're gonna have more updates that we will that we will mention um hopefully by the next episode at least one of us will have read the book we'll see (laughs) it'll probably be me um but yeah so um so yeah golden state killer news this was this is pretty huge
1: yeah i feel like that's all anyone was talking about on my twitter timeline today was the fact that this was occurring i mean it doesn't I mean, I follow a bunch of journalists and a bunch of people who talk about true crime stuff. So it's not that surprising, but it was crazy. Like I woke up in the morning and checked my Twitter and I saw people tweeting about it uh, when I got to work. And I couldn't believe it. Like it felt like it wasn't real because this case is is such a cold case. And it felt like such crazy timing that the book just came out recently and they just found this guy. Um, One of the things that I had seen was someone retweeted one of Pat oswald's tweets where he was talking about how he was just in chicago he was in naperville um for the book tour for i'll be gone in the dark and last night like tuesday night he was in naperville doing his book event and apparently they started filming the documentary that they're doing around uh the book and the golden state killer last night while he was in naperville and then like this morning he was in the airport and he heard about the news and he like it's just crazy timing that all of this is happening right now while the book is so big and while like everyone's really paying attention like it's just it's so serendipitous.
0: Yeah, and it's um it's just the the kind of thing that yeah, if you if you put it in a fictional book or a fictional movie, you would have like it wouldn't be allowed to be kept in there it wouldn't be allowed to be made because people would be like this this just doesn't happen. Like it's one of those things truth is stranger than fiction. Um, but yeah, we'll we will definitely keep uh, we'll we'll keep the updates coming as as they as they come in. All right, and then
1: our other two news items are both slightly related in the fact that AD, AD Adams, Amy Adams, that's her name, uh, is. A- basically starring in two adaptations. One of them we already knew about. It is the adaptation of Sharp Objects that HBO is doing. The first teaser trailer just dropped and it looks pretty good, uh, which is to be expected with HBO adaptations, to be honest. Um, so Amy Adams is starring as the main character, Camille Preaker. And then Patricia Clarkson is co-starring as The Mother, uh, which I think is fantastic casting. If you've read the book, you know why. I think that she's just going to do great in that role um so the it's an eight episode run it's going to drop in july although they haven't said the exact date in july just yet um and then yeah, if, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to the news article and the trailer and things like that, so you can watch it for yourself. Katie, I don't know. Did you watch it?
0: Yes, I did. I actually watched it, like, um, 30 seconds before I hopped onto Skype before we recorded the first version of this episode. Well, yes, I actually did a similar thing. Um, but yeah,
1: no, honestly, I thought the trailer was really good. Like, it has, like, the, a good vibe for this book, I think.
0: Yeah, the trailer, I feel like it really captured that just... In the book, you just feel hot and gritty and uncomfortable in your own skin, which is really apt because the main character is very uncomfortable in her own skin. Um, but, yeah, when uh, when you mentioned Patricia Clarkson, at first I couldn't remember the actress's name until you mentioned it. and that. But I recognized her when the trailer came on. And as soon as I saw her in the role of the mother, I went, oh, that's going to be good.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, yeah, and I have I have to say, I mean, I love Gillian Flynn. I worship the ground she walks on. I will read anything she ever writes. I think Sharp Objects might be my favorite. Hmm. It is, yeah, I mean, I loved Gone Girl. Dark Places was great. Sharp Objects is just so brutal and has that twist at the end.
1: Yes, I know.
0: <laughs> my yeah, my my coworker finished Sharp Objects for the first time recently. And I asked her and I was like, "Oh, how how far are you?" And she's like, "I've only got like 50 pages left." And I'm like, "Oh, boy." And then I saw her afterwards, I'm like, "Did you finish it?" She's like, "I don't know if I can read any of her other books. I just feel like they won't be as good." I'm like, "No, no, no, they are good. You know, still read them." I'm like, yeah. that wasn't what I was going for, but she was like, "That book was amazing." <laughs> Oh, so I'm very excited for this. And I have lots of friends who are very excited. And I have a feeling we're going to be, we'll have some kind of viewing party or something no. when when the show actually drops.
1: Yes. So that's a thing we can all look forward to in July. Um, So the second piece of Amy Adams related news is that she has been uh, cast to star in The Woman in the Window*, the adaptation of uh, A.J. Finn's novel that came out earlier this year. Um, So she is playing the woman that sits in the window. Um, And (laughs) that's basically all I have for that piece of news. But I mean, they're slowly like dropping information about like different people who are being cast and like the writers and directors and they're all really big names so it sounds like this could potentially be a really interesting adaptation i talked about this the last time we talked about adaptation news with the woman in the window uh, that the more adaptation news that comes out around it the more that i actually want to read the book i was slightly hesitant about picking it up prior to this point just because there was so much hype around it and i had a feeling it was going to disappoint me not that it won't disappoint me now but i feel like Now I'm more interested in picking it up even if it's going to disappoint me, just because I want to have that reference point prior to when this movie comes out. It just sounds
0: so bleak. It's like, well, not that it won't disappoint me now, but I'm like, wow. I'm very uh realistic about my book expectations. (laughs) Oh, well, and we might have to do we might have to do a check in, you know, did it did the woman in the window disappoint Rincy as much as projected. No, oh man, oh yeah, like like we warned, we're punchy. Um, <laughs> I I um to on a more serious note though, I I when I realize I'm like, oh, we've got a couple of Amy Adams news adaptations. I feel like she's. I, I, I'm equating, like, with all of the, the like, these mo- these book-to-movie adaptations that she's in, I'm like, is she going to be, like, the next Reese Witherspoon?
1: I had the same thought. I was like, oh, she's, like, the Reese Witherspoon of 2018.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you know, right now she's just starring in them, but I would love to see if Amy Adams ends up, like, you know, producing stuff or, you know, getting, getting on board in a behind-the-scenes role for any of these adaptations. I think, um, I don't know, Amy Adams just strikes me as... a a person with very interesting, you know, reading preferences. And I think that that would be really cool to see. Yeah, I
1: would definitely be down for that for sure. And I think I mean, I don't need her to necessarily create her own production company, but I would also just be intrigued to see like she always picks really interesting roles. So it feels like she would pick really interesting novels to adapt.
0: Yeah, and after I'm um, after again, and I was just like, oh, book to movie adaptation, not a mystery, but seeing her in Arrival, I'm like that just really sold me on just Amy Adams in general. Not that I wasn't sold before, but I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm on board with with this with this Amy Adams train. I I will go where the Amy Adams train takes me. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> our first sponsor, um So um, the first sponsor for uh, this episode is Flatiron Books and uh, specifically M.L. Rio's book, If We Were Villains. Uh, When a group of elite college thespians perform Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, life starts to imitate art when the lead actor ends up dead. If We Were Villains was named one of Bustle's best thriller novels of the year, and Mystery Scene says a well-written and gripping ode to the stage. A fascinating, unorthodox take on rivalry, friendship, and truth. Uh, The book and the author have been compared to Donna Tartt. The book has been praised by Cynthia de Sweeney, who wrote The Nest, uh, which was a big bestseller it was either last year or the year before i'm starting to forget what year we're in so she's the best author of the recent best-selling book the nest um but if we were villains is described as a love letter to shakespeare and a stunning portrait of rivalry obsession and friendship so if that rings any of your bells uh you'll definitely want to pick up if we were villains by ml rio published by Flatiron books and we thank them very much for sponsoring the show okay so our main topic for this episode are the Edgar
1: Awards uh, so as of this recording we're recording this on Wednesday night the Edgar awards are being announced on Thursday night so when you hear this episode on Friday they will already be the winners will already be announced so we thought, we were slightly upset that our timing was terrible or their timing is terrible. I'm gonna their timing them was terrible. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we couldn't talk about the winners in this episode, but we thought we would still talk about the nominees a little bit. Um, so personally, prior to like prepping for this episode, I had read for Best Novel, we have uh, Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke, which I read and loved, A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee, which I read and really enjoyed. Um, the Twelve Lives of Samuel Hawley, which I tried to read, but couldn't get into just because personally, I'm not that into Western type books. Um, and then the last two nominees were are Prussian Blue by Philip Keir and The Dime by Kathleen Kent. Um, so since I had read to try to read a third, uh, we thought that we would split amongst the two of us the final two. So I read Prussian Blue by Philip Keir, and then Katie read The Dime. So Katie, do you want to talk about The Dime a little bit?
0: Yeah. Um, I am not, uh, as of this recording. I am not yet all the way through with it. Kindle tells me that I am 85% of the way through. Um, it is bonkers. It is so it is not what I expected it to end up being. Um, the book starts off, um, the main character, the main character's name is Betty. She is this really, she's this really tall, redheaded Dallas cop. Um, she's kind of been recently transplanted there over the last couple of years. Um, and she's up against a lot of obstacles, A, from being a, um, the only, basically the only woman in the Dallas police force, and also being a, um, a lesbian who is out to her, you know, to people in society and her friends and family and co-workers so and she's up against she's up against a lot of these these big obstacles which adds a lot of really adds a lot of dimension to the story and um it's really interesting um to to kind of have that affecting the events of the novel but the the story starts off it seems like it's going to be a kind of a drug, uh, drug running cartel kind of story. Um, it, like I said, it's in Texas. There's, um, there's, uh, the main character works in the narcotics department and she, um, so she's on these drug busts. They're trying to bring down the lead, um, one of the main, uh, drug shippers, uh, from Mexico and, uh, everything just really starts to go, <laughs> Everything just really starts to go belly up in this investigation. Nothing nothing goes right. Um and then she ends up being it looks like that she is slowly being targeted um by whether it's a member of that cartel, a member of a rival of a rival gang. She's not sure, but like these really creepy things start happening, you know, like Pieces of the victim start showing up at her door and stuff like that. It's it's really, like, it has this, this creepy vibe that I was not expecting. And then the book just completely takes a 180. And I don't even know how the book is going to end. I will not spoil anything about that. Um, but it's not... It, it, like, it totally is not the book you think you're you're going to be reading when you start off. And I do not say that in a bad way. Um, I have been, said before, I have been t- tapping my Kindle as fast as my little fingers will, will let me. Like, I was, I have been blasting through the last half of this book. And so I'm really excited, hopefully if there's enough time by the, when we finish recording, for me to finish the last 15% of the book. Um... I have no idea how it's going to turn out. Um so I'm really excited about that that it's really keeping me on my toes and just keeping me on the on the edge of my seat not knowing what's what's going to happen. Um but what I really love about it is that I mean it's really dark, it's violent, it's gritty and it kind of has like a like a Breaking Bad feel to it, but what I love is that you know in all of those types of stories, it's always the men that are the main characters. In this one, we have a woman, and it's really, really oddly refreshing to see to see a woman in this type of um, in this in this type of story. It's just it's just really highlighted for me how how unusual it is. Um, for us to read to to have to have these types of crime stories. So I'm really digging this one. It's yeah, it's completely it's completely unexpected, has kept me on my toes. Paige Turner, fascinating characters, gritty, dark, just oh, I'm re- I'm really loving it. So yeah, again, that is the Dime by Kathleen Kent. Yeah, so the one that I read was
1: Prussian Blue by Philip Kerr Keir? Kerr. I think it's Kerr. I think it's Kerr too. Um, So I actually got my copy from the library. And so when I was there pulling it off the bookshelf, not too far away from it was The Dime by Kathleen Kent because, you know, their last names are very close. Um, And so I picked up that one as well. But obviously I didn't have time to read it before this episode. But that listening to you talk about it makes me want to definitely pick this one up. Even if it doesn't win, I'm probably going to end up reading this one because that sounds super, super interesting
0: yeah it's it's really really interesting i'm I'm loving it all right, so like I said, I was planning on
1: reading Prussian Blue prior to this episode, and I got about a quarter of the way into it, and I couldn't continue on just and I need to say just off the bat that this isn't a bad book. It's just not a for me book. Um, The way that I have been describing this book to everyone is that it feels like a dad mystery. So like the think of like the stereotypical American dad and the type of mystery book that he would read. It's this book feels like it would be perfect for him. Um, So this book is historical mystery. It takes place in the 1950s as well as there's like a flashback timeline that takes place in the 1930s. Um, This is the next book in a series. It's the Bernie Gunther series of books. I believe this is like maybe the fourth one uh, that's out. And so you're following the main character. It's The present timeline is the French Riviera in the 1950s. And you're following Bernie Gunther. He's fled Berlin in one of the past books I believe and so now he's hiding out in the French Riviera and he ends up um, basically getting picked up by a bunch of German spies and he like they want to hire him to assassinate someone and he gets really he doesn't want to do it and so he is basically on the run and then the flashback timeline takes place in 1930s Germany and Bernie Gunther is hired to fi- find out who assassinated um, a civil engineer that was like standing on the balcony of like one of Hitler's compounds like balconies um so like obviously like hitler is very concerned about like his own safety and things like that and the people around him are as well so he's hired to look into that and so you're following these two timelines and like i said i didn't get very far into this book and it's mainly just because this isn't really my type of mystery i in general i don't really like world war ii set stories that much anymore unless you have a very unique take on the world war ii story um I am just a little bit burnt out by them just because I feel like there are always so many of them. So that in and of itself was difficult for me to get into. And then the two parallel storylines... I never really got my bearings in terms of like what was truly going on. And then also there are a lot of really German names and I could not keep the characters straight. So there came a certain point where I just realized I wasn't going to finish this book in time for the episode. And also this book is over 500 pages long, which is very long for a mystery in my opinion. Um, even though like I think A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee is like over 400 pages. So that one is also on the longer side. But this one I just was like, I can't do it. Not that it's not poorly written by any means like I can understand why it's up for best novel but it is just not for me at all
0: yeah and those I hearing you describe those reasons and then hearing you describe them again um (laughs) I, uh, I, yeah, I think I think those are those are really valid reasons that for a book that that long, that's going to require that, you know, that much, you know, mental energy, you know, keeping storylines and names straight and stuff. It's like, you know what, we'll we'll give this one if if uh, if that type of book is up your alley, you, you go for it. Um, but yeah, it's was not was not ringing any of my bells either. Yeah, it just just wasn't
1: for me. And that's not necessarily like a judgment on the book at all. I mean, there's a reason why it's up for best novel. But I think it'll be really interesting to see just who ends up winning the award of best novel, because these are five very different mystery novels. And one of them, I still don't consider the 12 lives of Samuel Hawley a mystery. I don't care what anyone tells me. (laughs) Like, I I don't care that you're up for an Edgar Award. I feel like that is a bit of a stretch. Um, So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see which one ends up winning. Watch it's going to be the 12 lives of Samuel (laughs) Hawley.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes and I think we talked about this on a previous episode. But, yeah, I really have a problem with uh, with how we uh, how we as in readers or publishers or whoever define what is a mystery because sometimes I read you know I read these like the synopses of some of these books and they're like and you know they're cataloged as mysteries or something like that but it's they're talking about like oh the mystery at the heart of the book is you know what you know what actually happened to this person in their life and I'm like well that's then every book is a mystery, because you don't pick up a book going, I know exactly what's going to happen. No, you, the mystery is what is going to happen. Um, It just, it depends on, you know, the tropes of the, of the genre and stuff. So I have, I have a very librarian's point of view on that. But yeah, I, the, yeah, this, this year, there were, there were a few, there were a few books that I was just like, you know, these are fantastic books, but, are they mysteries? No, they're really not. But I don't know. We will just have to wait until tomorrow and see if, uh, we'll see what the judges thought. Yeah, I'm personally
1: rooting for Bluebird Bluebird just because that's my personal favorite. And I love everything that Attica Locke does. And I think she should win just every award that's out there in the world, whether she's eligible or not.
0: Yes. So um, and yeah, I don't really have any horses in this race. So I will I'll just be I'll be watching with uh, with uh, some detached interest to see to see which which direction they lean in. Um and originally for this episode, I know we had both mentioned that we wanted to pick two books to read um, but I put two different books on hold at my library and none of them and neither of them came in. So um, I was <laughs> I was only able to read 85% of one book for this episode but uh, one of the other books that I was hoping to read for this episode was Penance by Kane Minato, which is up for the best paperback original and this book, like I said, I haven't read it yet, but the the author, uh, r- one of the books she's most well known for is Confessions, which I read a couple of years ago and I loved because it is co- it's, it's classified as a mystery or as a psychological thriller, but it's really a dark psychological profile of people in general and how human impulses can be very dark and how the actions we take in hatred or revenge or something along those lines, just have these rippling effects on people who unrelated to the unrelated to the original event, and it was just such a fascinating look at at the these effects, and it was so dark. I mean, it was just like the end of the first section when I realized what the teacher had. Well, it's a teacher telling her telling her classmates about the murder of, of her, of her daughter. And basically she's leading up to, she knows that two of the kids in her class were responsible. Um, But when you find out like what she does, you're just like, oh my gosh. And the, and penance really sounds like it has a lot of those same elements. It's the story of these four women um, who were friends as children. They were friends with another girl named Emily um, and when they were children, they were tricked into separating from Emily by a mysterious stranger. And then hours later, Emily is found dead. Um, they the the survivors were not able to accurately describe the person to the police. Emily's mother uh, blames them for Emily's death, saying that they are going to to pay for their actions. And then the story is how, um, the psychological trauma of that day and those actions, how it how it affects each of the girls as they grow up into women, and how it affects their lives and how their lives unfold. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be super dark, very character driven, just a really deep look at human nature and human actions, and it just sounds fantastic. So I'm hopefully we will be able to read that soon. Um, And again, that is Penance by Kene Minato. And
1: the one that I read was Dark Chapter by Winnie M. Lee. This one is up for Best First Novel. And this was a really interesting reading experience for me for because this book is a fictional book but it's based on events that happened to the author herself. So in this story you are following this character named Vivian who is a Taiwanese American woman who's living in London and she often like travels by herself and likes to go on like these great hikes like she looks up really great hiking locations around the world and likes to travel there to go hiking um so she ends up traveling to Belfast for work and finds a really great hiking spot um so she goes for a hike while she's on this trip and she ends up getting attacked while on the trail and she gets attacked and raped and so you follow her as she like has this event occur in like the aftermath of it but you also see things from the attacker's point of view who is this boy named johnny who's only 15 years old and so you see everything like you see starting from prior to the event um their lives leading up to that point sort of like how things got to where they were and then you see the event occur and then you see the consequences of all of that um one of the things i really Liked about this book, or I really appreciated about this book, is the fact that it's very honest and explicit about what attacks like this are like, especially for the victim. Um, the attack itself is written in very explicit detail, so very much trigger warnings for things like rape and assault and attacks and things like that. Um, so, if you have issues with this one, I can only imagine how difficult this book would be because I feel like I was having a hard time just reading those passages and it's not only just the attack scene itself, the attack scene is repeated or what happens to Vivian is repeated multiple times because you hear her or read about her talking to the police officers and you have to read the whole attack scene over again. And then you see her talking to like lawyers and talking to like in the court room when the court case happens um, about the attack. And again, it's very explicitly done. And so It's very difficult to read at times, but it also kind of makes sense because, like, if you're someone who goes through an attack like this or you, like, just know if someone goes through this experience, they have to relive that experience multiple times in order for, you know, justice to be done and things like that. Um, And it's also very honest about just, like, the difficulties of even just, like, the immediate aftermath of, like, calling the police and having to... Um, have like photographs taken of your body um, with all of its bruises and whatnot because it's all evidence now and then having to go to the hospital and talk to a doctor about what has happened to you and the uh, traumatizing experience of like having to do a rape kit and things like that um, after something like this happens and how like you've already been through this traumatic event and within the span of like like 48 to 72 hours, you have to do make sure you get X amount of things done in order to make sure that like all of the evidence is properly taken care of. And like, you have to, yeah, there's just a lot that happens to these victims besides the actual attack itself. And like, it talks very just honestly and openly and very just like, this is just how it is um, in the world that we live in right now. I wasn't crazy about the writing style of this book. Um, I felt like there was a level of like detachment. I think it's just, I think the writer, because this is based on an attack that happened to her, was very much focusing on like those types of details of like being accurate with what the experience is like. And I feel like the writing itself and like the storytelling aspect of it gets sacrificed uh, for that. And so I felt like it was a little bit difficult for me to fully engage with the story. But I feel like this is one of those books that it's like, I'm glad that it's out there in the world because it talks very honestly and openly about this experience in a way that I really don't see very often. Um, So again, that's called Dark Chapter by Winnie M. Lee, if you are interested in checking it out yourself. I don't think it's going to win Best First Novel. I'll, I'll be surprised if it does win but I won't be necessarily like disappointed if it wins I haven't read any of the other nominees in this category but I've heard like really good things about some of the other ones that I'd be surprised if Dark Chapter One because I feel like this is also like I, it's it's published by polis Books which I think is a smaller publisher so yeah again I I don't I didn't love this book but I feel like i appreciated that book if that makes sense
0: yeah i think that's a good way to put it it's uh yeah it's, it's maybe not a book that for whatever reason you can like say that whether it's the subject matter or you know the the style of the book or whatever you maybe can't say it's like you know i outright liked it but i'm glad that the book exists yeah all right. Um, so let's see. How about you want to give us our second sponsor and I can pop into some new releases.
1: Yes. So our second sponsor for this episode is Enigma by Catherine Coulter. Um, This is the highly anticipated 21st FBI thriller by number one New York Times bestselling author Catherine Coulter. Um, In this story, you are following Agent Savage and Sherlock, who are presented with two baffling mysteries, Uh, working with Agent Cam Whittier and New York-based former Special Forces agent Jack Coulter. Cabot, uh, they must race against the clock to catch an international criminal and solve the enigma of the man called John Doe. So this is the latest blockbuster FBI thriller from Catherine Coulter. Again, that's Enigma, and it is out now in trade
0: paperback wherever books are sold. All right. So this week for new releases, um, the first book that I want to talk about is just the, the premise of this book, it's, it is nonfiction. And again, this is one of those things, the truth is stranger than fiction. I just, the premise alone just makes me, I'm like, I have to read this. Um, it's called The Feather Thief, Beauty, Obsession, and the Natural History Heist of the Century by Kirk Wallace Johnson. It came out on Tuesday, April 24th, so it is already available if you're interested in picking it up. It is a rollicking true crime adventure and a thought-provoking exploration of the human drive to possess natural beauty. And it's, they say it's good for readers of The Stranger in the Woods, The Lost City of Z, and The Orchid Thief, which are three very different books that um, actually, when I explain what the synopsis is, you'll, it actually makes a little bit of sense. So in 2009, After performing a concert at the London Royal Academy of Music, 20-year-old American flautist Edwin Rist boards a train for a suburban outpost of the British Museum of Natural History, which is home to one of the largest ornithological collections in the world, full of rare bird specimens and feathers... And these um, these specimens are worth staggering amounts of money to the men who share ed- who shared Edwin's obsession, the Victorian art of salmon fly tying, like you do. <laughs> I just I just
1: have so many questions about this book already. Yes,
0: yeah. so. how like how how does one figure out that they are obsessed with sa- with the Victorian art of salmon fly tying?
1: Yeah, seriously, that's the first mystery
0: of this novel. <laughs> So once inside the museum, the champion fly tire grabs hundreds of bird skins, some of which are 150 years old, collected by Alfred Russell Wallace, a naturalist who was a contemporary of Charles Darwin. And so he grabs all of these bird skins and feathers and escapes into the darkness. Two years later, the author, Kirk Wallace Johnson, is uh, fishing in New Mexico with his fly fishing guide, um, and the guide tells him about the heist. And so the author becomes consumed by this strange case of the feather thief, like we all would. What would possess a person to steal dead bird skins? Did Edwin pay a price for his crime? What became of the birdskins? And in Search for Answers, Johnson is catapulted into a years-long worldwide investigation. It's a gripping story of a bizarre and shocking crime and one man's relentless pursuit of justice. For those darn birdskins. skins. <laughs> It is also a fascinating exploration of obsession and man's destructive instinct to harvest the beauty of nature. So again, that is the Feather Thief: Beauty, Obsession, and the Natural History Heist of the Century by Kirk Wallace Johnson. And my question is, he's okay? So Edwin, the one, the person who, who you know, steals these, the, these, these feathers and these bird skins, he's twenty years old. How? Like. <sighs>
1: Yeah, this is such a weird story. I need someone if, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get to this. If someone reads this before the next episode, please let us know how this book is because it sounds bonkers. Like, this legitimately sounds like one of those stories where the writer probably had a bulletin board with, like, the string and, like, the crazy notes everywhere because this sounds insane.
0: Yeah, I – I I mean obviously I'm asking these questions and I'm like well I need to read the book to find out but this I'm just like how does this happen? And it's not like oh this was so, like I could see this happening in Victorian eras, you know, someone, you know, steals a bunch of stuff from a museum or whatever. Like I could see it happening then. This is in 2009. Yeah, like this that's is crazy. the age of Facebook and someone's stealing 150-year-old bird skins. I'm like what? It makes my head hurt. <laughs> okay. Next story. I have it's also a um true crime uh true crime book called Beneath a Ruthless Sun, A True Story of Violence, Race, and Justice Lost and Found by Gilbert King. This book was also released on April 24th, Um, and Gilbert King was the author of the Pulitzer Prize-winning bestseller Devil in the Grove, which has also been on my reading list for a while. Um, And so his latest book, Beneath a Ruthless Sun, is a gripping true story of a small town with a big secret. In December 1957, the wife of a Florida citrus baron is raped in her home while her husband is away, and she claims a quote-unquote husky Negro did it. And the sheriff, Willis McCall, who is very well known for being uh, being unapologetically racist, does not hesitate to round up a group of suspects. But within days, he turns his sights instead on Jesse Daniels, who is a gentle 19-year-old uh, man with uh, with mental impairments. And soon Jesse is railroaded up to the State Hospital for the Insane and locked away without trial. Um, at the same time, crusading journalist Mabel Norris Reese cannot stop fretting over the case and its baffling outcome. Who is protecting whom or what? Um, and she pursues the story for years, chasing down leads, hitting dead ends, winning unlikely allies. And then bit by bit, she is able to uncover the unspeakable truth behind a conspiracy that shocked a community into silence. It is a powerful page-turning story rooted in the fears that rippled through the South as integration began to take hold, sparking a surge of virulent racism that savaged the vulnerable, debased the powerful, and roils our own time still. And again, that is beneath a Ruthless Son, A True Story of Violence, Race, and Justice Lost and Found by Gilbert King. And then the last book um, that I picked is um, out on May 1st. It is called What You Want to See by Kristen Lepionka. Um I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name. It is actually a follow-up to the book, The Last Place You Look. So if you want to, uh, if you like to start a mystery series in order, you want to start with that one. Um, but this is the second book in the series. It stars uh, the troubled and determined private investigator, Roxanne Weary, which I'm totally identifying with that last name right about now. Um, and she is hired by a man who thinks that his fiance named Marin Strasser is having an affair and so he hires Roxanne to prove to prove his suspicions but days into the case um Marin is shot to death on a side street in an apparent mugging and the police soon begin to focus on Roxanne's client, Marin's fiance, um, as being responsible for her death. So she starts to dig deeper into Marin's life, and she discovers that the woman she's been following has a past and a half, including two previous marriages, an adult son fresh out of prison, a criminal record of her own, and uh, Roxanne's investigation leads to a crew of con artists... An ugly real estate scam that defrauds unsuspecting elderly homeowners out of their property, and the suspicious accident of a wealthy older woman who lives just down the street from where Marin was killed. And with Roxanne's client facing a murder indictment, the scammers hit close to home to force Roxanne to drop the case. And it becomes clear that the stakes are as high as the secrets run deep, Um, which I thought was, um, well, A, we don't talk as much about private investigator stories on this show. So I thought that would be really interesting if you're interested, if uh, if you enjoy PI stories. Um, And it has a really unique plot that I think would, would, has a lot of potential to to just be really interesting. Um, So, again, that is What You Want to See by Kristen Lepionka. And, And again, that book is out on May 1st.
1: All right. So, for the final segment of the episode where we talk about what we've been reading and what we plan on reading, I don't have a whole lot to talk about because I haven't been reading anything besides Dark Chapter and a very small amount of Prussian uh, blue. So I don't really have a whole lot to update you guys on. And I also have no idea really what I'm going to read next. Um, I still have uh, The Woman in the Window and The Dry uh, by Jane Harper checked out as ebooks from the library. So hopefully I will read one, if not both of those before the next episode. Uh, like I said, at the top of the episode, I am re- need Or I'm more interested in reading The Woman in the Window, and then also everyone, including Katie, has talked about how great The Dry is, and so I need to just read it for myself and join the fan club, and then hopefully get to um, Force of Nature. That's her second book uh, because I'm behind, so I need to (laughs) just read those books and enjoy them for myself.
0: Yeah, and I'm in the you know same boat as you are. The you know the the books is that I've been. Reading recently, uh, well, the ones that I've talked about for the uh, in this episode, I haven't really had a whole lot of time to read much else. And then, in terms of what I'm starting, I just my note just said, (laughs) I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I've got books, there's books from the library, there's books on my shelf. Um, I bought a huge stack of books over the last few months while I was telling people that I was doing so much better about not buying books um, so and I'm, and I'm like oh I got a problem I should probably read some of these quickly um and I I mean that, there's a whole mix of stuff in in that stack but I know I've got a couple of mysteries in there a couple of true crime I've got Michelle McNamara's book I might you know might end up reading that um, I I just don't know and I for me the next couple of weeks are gonna be so busy with with work, and I am uh, finishing up my graduate degree in the next two weeks. Woohoo! Woo-hoo! So um, that's going to be occupying some of my time. So I basically, I just don't know what's what the next couple of weeks are going to bring. It's, um, yeah, that that that'll be that'll be our mysteries. It'll be a mystery of what we're going to read next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that. It's a good theme for this mystery podcast. Maybe we should just end all of our episodes like that. Who knows what'll happen? It's all yeah, a mystery. Who
0: know- yes life is a mystery
1: <laughs> all right well on that note that's our show thanks so much to everyone for listening um for show notes you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen you can head over to the writer Dead page And we will have links to all of the articles for the news items that we talked about at the top of the episode, as well as links to all of the books that we talked about. Um, There will also be a link to the Book Riot giveaway that we mentioned. Be sure to enter that Mystery Thriller giveaway and get a chance to uh, win 15 new mysteries for the year. They all sound great. And remember, if you care about us, you will enter this
0: (laughs) on our behalf. Now it just sounds like a threat. (laughs)
1: good good <laughs> that's what i was going for because i'm super threatening um, so if you enjoy this podcast definitely leave us a review on apple podcast so that way other people can find us um it really helps the visibility of our podcasts and like the search and even just like the general rankings and things like that um if you guys leave uh ratings and reviews so definitely do that if you can um if you want to contact us if you want to give us ideas for future episodes or if you want to talk to us about any of the topics that we've talked about or just mysteries and thrillers in general or if you have opinions on the edgar awards because by the time you're listening to this the winners will be out um you can email us at red or dead at bookriot.com you can also find me on twitter and instagram i am
0: at rincey a and i am on twitter at kt underscore library lady and we will talk to you guys next time bye bye